0: Welcome back to the Boneyard Podcast, everybody. This is your host, Jared Sheffield, along with Artemis Brower. We're coming to you this ep- this week with episode 121. Artie, I cannot speak. I've been in meetings all day. It's been a crazy, crazy Tuesday uh, here. How are you doing, my friend?
1: I'm good, brother. I'm doing real good. Happy to do another episode with you. We got BYU week coming up. It's looking a little bit more... Uh appetizing than uh than, than weeks prior it looks like a game that we could probably get i would not be able to i would not say that when we started the season i, I thought this was going to be our toughest game of, of, of the season by far but uh looks looks a lot more uh, appealing to us now so i'm excited
0: yeah i mean already we could talk on and on about how i mean at the beginning of the year we thought this was gonna i mean and it still is this is still the toughest stretch of football that the yes. pirates are gonna play yeah but I don't know after after what I saw Saturday, maybe I'm just feeling a little looser with uh saying that hey I think ECU is going to be just fine going on down down the stretch here in the 2022 football season yeah but uh but yeah Artie it gosh what a what a Saturday what a game I I haven't felt this way in a long time about ECU football and um I, I know a lot of ECU fans are. Are feeling the same way that I'm feeling. But first, before we get into the recap of the UCF game, I got a number 21. Do you have a number 21?
1: I do have a number 21. Yes. Yes, different I do. Different than
0: my 21?
1: Um, I think your 21 is better, but you know, this is Chicago. Of guys, is. And I and I just want to be different. So I'm just gonna I'm just gonna name this guy.
0: Who, who's your guy?
1: Sammy Sosa, baby.
0: Sammy Sosa. Sammy
1: Sosa, Cubby, Chicago, Cubby. Silver Slugger, National League MVP, six hundred nine career home runs, seven All Star appearances. Everybody loves Sosa. I love, I love, so, I love uh, how
0: you claim him as a Chicago guy, but you're a White Sox fan. I am a
1: White Sox fan, but I'm I, I'm Chicago above everything. It's
0: Chicago,
1: Chicago above, above all. everything, above all.
0: <laughs> so okay.
1: Shout out, shout out to Sosa.
0: Shout out, chi Town, Timley Park. Yes, uh, sir. My number twenty one, Artie. I mean. I wore the number in two different sports.
1: And it's it's fitting because you know this guy's got college game day coming to his backyard this weekend. So
0: Yeah. He's this guy is the reason that the Braves do the chop. Did you know that?
1: I think you told me that. I I this think was, you told me that.
0: The Braves don't do the chop because of the name. The Braves do the chop because Deion Sanders went to Florida State and they did the chop at Florida State. That is why the Braves do the chop. It's crazy. Deion Sanders, I mean, played football, played baseball. He's a football Hall of Famer, eight-time Pro Bowler, six-time All-Pro, two-time Super Bowl champ, 1994 AP, Defensive Player of the Year, and 1994 uh, Pro Football Writers Association Defensive Player of the Year. That's football. In baseball, Mm -hmm. he accumulated a 5.5 war, a 263 career batting average, 168 RBIs, 39 home runs, and 56 stolen bases, and already – He's the first person in history to score a touchdown and hit a home run in the same week.
1: Yeah. They made a 30-for-30 just on that. They literally made a whole documentary just on that weekend, that he did that.
0: That was – I mean, the fact that, like – because that was – was that the World – that was the World Series, I believe. He played, like, an NFL game on Sunday and then flew back to Atlanta to, to play in the World Series. That's just some
1: legendary stuff.
0: That, and he's one, he may be one of my favorite guys to see and watch, like on TikTok talk to his team. The way, like, look, Deion Sanders with his chain, and I don't know, he's just got that, he's got that um, swagger about him. But at the same time, the way he coaches a football team is so old school that it's a breath of fresh air.
1: Jared, if, if you don't want to play for Deion Sanders, you don't want to play for anybody. I mean, it's, it's just that simple. If if you can't get up and go play for that man, there's nobody on the earth that, that you can play for. Like anybody will play for Deion Sanders. He can motivate anybody to go suit up and play football.
0: Yeah. I I, I mean, i would never played football, but if Deion Sanders knocked on my door and was like, hey, you, do you want to play football for me? I'd be like, yeah. How much do I owe you? Like I would play. That would I mean he's just the charisma, the swagger, the and then he has the accolades to back it up. Right. Both on the baseball field and on the football field. I mean, already that I, I saw there, there's some there's some great 21s out there. Sammy no. Sosa, Roberto Clemente. That was gonna be fun.
1: Uh, honestly, that was gonna be that I was I was gonna say Clemente, but I went with Sosa.
0: Uh Tim Duncan. From right down yeah. the road, played for Wake Forest. I mean, some great 21s. And I, I couldn't think of a better one than a guy that played for both my Atlanta Braves and my Atlanta Falcons and Deion Sanders. And look, I, I I didn't really get to grow up watching him play. He he I mean, he was still playing when I was when I was little, but I was too little to know. Right. And um I hate that I missed that time that, I mean, he was playing in both the World Series and playing in the NFL, that's just insane. But uh, what else was insane was ECU came out and dragged their nutsack all over UCF. <laughs> I mean.
1: I if, if I can be honest though, Jared, I, I really think – and ECU's had some good games under under Coach Houston, right? We and and we've had some 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 decent wins. This this is the signature win that we were talking about. Like like this is this is it. Like this was probably the most complete football game under Mike Houston that I have seen. Defense, I mean, special teams, offense, complete, complete coaching.
0: Football. I mean, yeah. top to bottom. This was the best game under Coach Mike Houston. Dare I say, like, I, definitely in his ECU career, but yes. maybe, maybe even in his entire career. Well, I, I mean, mean, he did win a national championship. He game, won a national, ch- so. but, but still, like, I'm just saying, like, that was top to bottom the best win that I've seen from ECU in a very long time.
1: Long time, yeah, very
0: long time. I mean, we're talking. I, I did a Twitter Spaces after the game, and um, we one of the one of the guys on there said was this the most decisive victory and best overall game that we've played since 2008 when we beat West Virginia 24 to 3 and i i was like honestly yeah i mean you gave up a touchdown and two field goals to UCF
1: right it, it it's it's not just about the win it's about who you beat you you beat a team that's 5 and 1 you beat a team that was in contention to play for a conference championship, get to a near Six Bowl. Like, you beat a quality opponent with a quality coach and coaching staff. Like, it wasn't just that you won. You won against a team that's pretty good. So, and, you,
0: and you honestly, it didn't look close.
1: Right, and it was decisive. It wasn't a close game. It was a decisive win.
0: Yeah, so, I mean, already I, I would be lying if I said, I mean, I, I picked East T to win this game um, going into it. And I, I told I told people before the game, I said, look, like UCF hasn't played anybody this year. UCF, mm-hmm. like, this is the first road test. This is the first time leaving the state of Florida. This is going to be challenging for, for UCF. And I, I was looking at it, and I was like, I was being cautiously optimistic before the game mm-hmm. of, okay, are, are we like I, I felt like we were going to win, but it was like I don't know. Anytime with ECU, it's like, okay, I feel like we're going to win every week, but then and you never, some, know. You some never know. You come out and you year. just get blown out.
1: Yeah. Exactly.
0: And when look, another special teams mishap, you doink the field goal in the first possession, freshman kicker, chalk it up to that. He came back. He re- he rebounded. I was and about came saying, he came back. Played
1: well the rest of the game. He's got he's got to get his 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 flowers on that because he did play well the rest of the yeah.
0: game. Yeah, I mean, Coach Houston talked about it in the post game press conference when he said, "I I went up to him and talked to him, asked if he was okay, and he said, yeah, 'Yeah, I'm good. I'm just pissed.' That's the kind of guy. That's the kind of mentality I want from my guys. Don't don't lick your wounds. Get up. Pull." Pull your shoestrings, pull your bootstraps up, mm-hmm. tighten your helmet, and go to work. Move on to produce, Andrew Conrad. That is how it's done. That is how it's done. You don't dwell on it. You just be better the next time. And look, that that that's what he did. I mean, he he didn't miss an extra point. Special teams all around this past weekend. Other than that, missed field goal It was good. Was good. Yeah, but when. When we missed that field goal, I, I honestly was like, here we go again.
1: <laughs> well, look, I, I mean, we, we said this before. the Special teams can't get any worse than what it was at, at, at the beginning of the season. So the only way to go is up. Exactly. Just expect a doink or or, 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 or a, a miss snap. Has or there,
0: I, I don't think there's been a game all season where we haven't missed an extra point or a field goal.
1: I was about to say, you got to expect a miss. At, at this We're point, eight
0: games in and we, we've missed at least one kick. You have Every to
1: expect the miss, so it's just what it is.
0: So, um, but yeah, I mean, Andrew Conrad showed that. I mean, he, he's a man out there. Um, now, defense. I want to talk about defense first, Artie, because oh, there, there's a lot to talk about on four both turnovers. sides of the ball. I mean, four turnovers. The last one you can you can kind of say is in garbage time, but it's it iced the game. Right. It iced the game, and. Jairo Wilson had an interception and a fumble recovery that played a huge part in the victory. Look, those first three drives that UCF had, they were marching downfield. I mean, they were, they weren't going hurry up offense, but they were, they were getting their yards. Right. And then ECU just stood there and, and took the ball away and showed that, Hey, this is a good, I mean, it wasn't quite in the red zone, but they played a red zone defense pretty much once once UCF got to the ECU side of the field. I mean, it, it was like, okay, you, you got to the 50, you're not getting any further. And right. and ECU showed out by doing that.
1: Well, and, you know, th- this was a 17-10 ball game, right, early in the third quarter. I mean, UCF comes out, they, they, they score a touchdown early in the third quarter. The game's so close, 17-10. And oh, yeah. from, from then on out, that's when our defense said, okay, you had your little run. It's, it's over with <laughs> at, at this and, point. We give up three points basically – the the not basically. We give up three points the, the rest of the way, the entire and, third quarter and the fourth quarter.
0: Really, Artie, I mean, UCF scores with two seconds left, kicks a field goal with two seconds left in the first half. UCF hadn't been shut out in the first half since, I believe it was like November of 2015 against Cincinnati.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: That was the last time they had been shut out in the first half. They kicked the – field goal with 2 seconds left as time expires on the first half. Okay, they go into the locker room down 17 to 3. Look, we saw what happened the week before with ECU being down 17 nothing at the end of the basically 2 minutes left in the right. first half. You can come back from that. You can come back. ECU uh, I was looking at it, I was like, "Oh man, what what does the defense do on this first drive?" Look, UCF came out, they made an adjustment. On mm-hmm. the first on the first drive, they scored a touchdown, so it wasn't like there was a swing. It was they got they got points on the last drive of the of the first half and got right. points they on carried the
1: that momentum and scored again. And then our defense made the necessary. They locked them down and locked them down. He said that's as far as you go.
0: They handcuffed them. I mean, yeah. look, coming into this week, Plumlee John Reese Plumlee had thrown three interceptions all year. Guess what? He threw three against ECU. I mean, Artie. EC over the last two weeks is plus seven in, in the turnover margin.
1: And I, I also didn't know that UCF was done, not only the best offense in the league, they had the best defense in the league. So
0: they had the number one red zone we, defense. Yeah,
1: we, we we beat a team that
0: had that might know, be the best defense we play all year. And we exactly. played NC State earlier this year. This exactly.
1: Year. I mean we, we we basically beat quote unquote the best team in the American right now, and we did it decisively. And and that's what's so satisfying about that win on Saturday is that the complete shutdown of an offense that put up seventy on, you know, what's his name last week. You know, we know, you know, that 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 was a that was a no show, but still, I mean, th- this is an offense that can put up 40, 50 easily on anybody. And yeah. it's it's a defense that has averaged fourteen points allowed per game. So to be able to do what we did on Saturday, now obviously the the, the consistency for ECU is still the last hurdle that we have to get over. But what we saw Gotta on Saturday week yes, in and week out. We we should be confident from what we saw on Saturday.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I want to run through some more of the defense, um, but yeah, the the turnovers, but it all starts with getting to the quarterback, and ECU has done a good job of that the last two weeks. Um, I mean, five sacks uh, this week. I mean, John Reese Plumley is he's a fast guy. I mean, he, he's more of a running back wide receiver than a t- than a quarterback honestly yeah and i know ucf fans are like why are we playing a starting wide receiver at at quarterback but honestly it might be the best you got right now um but outside of the sacks it was i mean it was one of the most physical football games ecu laid the boom every every play You come out there, if you have the ball in your hands, you're going to get popped. Mm -hmm. and That was exciting to see because it's back-to-back weeks that we saw that. Look, Artie, one of the best wins I feel like we had last year, one of the most decisive wins we had last year, was against Tulane. and I remember saying the same thing. We were banging bodies against Tulane last year. We've been banging bodies the last two weeks. This team is eating right now. This defense is eating, led by Coach Blake Harrell, friend of the podcast. Look, this is this is an exciting time for ECU and for ECU's defense.
1: I, I agree. And you got to make people hesitant to want to come back on the field and see. I mean, when you've got a defense that's, that's gang tackling, going out there, popping pads, popping heads, they don't care. They're, they're flying around the field. you got to make that offense not maybe not scared, but hesitant. Like, okay, we're about to get on the field and we're about to get hit. Like, it's not going to be a finesse. This is not a finesse defense. They're going to hit us. They're going to smash us in the mouth. We have, we have to be able to try to combat that kind of physicality. That's what you want to see. So, yeah.
0: Yeah, for sure. Um, the other two interceptions. One was Gerard Stringer. Uh, he made the interception in the end zone to ice the game away. And then Malik Fleming also had an interception. ECU scored seventeen points off off turnovers uh, this past weekend. And Artie, that that's the key to the, that's the key to winning football games. If your defense can take the ball away. You better damn you score. Problem. You got you got to come up come away with something. Yeah. And ECU had a couple drives that ended in the red zone, and it was like, "Oh no, here, here we go!" Like UCF's UCF's red zone defense, number one red zone defense in the country, is showing out. And then ECU found found a hole, and once they found the hole, they broke right through it. Um, I want to talk about whole nailers a little bit, Artie. The offense showed out against. I mean, as you said, one of the best defenses in in the in the league. Mm-hmm. Possibly in the country, Hole Nailers was thirty of thirty-six for eighty-three uh, percent completion percentage, uh, and he had one passing touchdown, which was a dot to C.J. Johnson, thirty-nine yard touchdown. I mean, once once they got that, it was kind of like okay, now it's starting to feel like we're we're on to something here. Um, Keen Mitchell, rushed for one hundred five yards, two touchdowns. Had a great celebration with PD in, in the end zone. Um, C.J. Johnson had 140 yards receiving and that one touchdown. Isaiah Winstead also had 89 yards receiving. I mean, they moved the ball around. Jalen Johnson still seems to be injured. Um, he had one target. That was it. He was more of a decoy. Josiah Hatfield got, at, got in there quite a bit. Shane yeah. Calhoun didn't play in this game either. So, I mean, ECU is missing a bunch of weapons. And they were still able to do this against, I mean, a very good defense.
1: Well, look, you know if 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 Keaton, CJ, and Isaiah are healthy, I'm still taking our offense. so <laughs> i'm I'm still taking us. If those three guys are healthy, we'll we'll still be okay.
0: yeah, we'll be I okay. mean, i I feel that this is quite possibly the best offense, dare I say? that I've seen since Lincoln Riley was running the offense and he had Shane Carden going for so many yards.
1: But like, and, and and this is why I was so frustrated at, at the beginning of the season because I knew this offense was not living up to its potential. Like this is right. an offense that can easily score 40 to 50 points a game if they really want to. I mean, they just got the studs to go out there and do it. It was just putting it together and really kind of having all that come to fruition. They've got the guys. They really do.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think the thing for ECU, the games that they've struggled in, they haven't been able to get, they haven't been able to get like, what? how do you say it? They haven't been able to get a, a balanced offense going. Right. They become too predictable. And when you have a running back like Keaton Mitchell who can pop one off at any given moment, you can't become too predictable. You can't you can't show that you're gonna throw a five yard in route every play, mm-hmm. and then expect to just all of a sudden hit a, a inside zone with with the running back. You you can't expect to do that. They're gonna load the box and and put put some guys in coverage right there over over the top. You're yeah. not gonna be able to do that. It's so that that's impressive to me that okay, Donnie Kirkpatrick seems to finally be opening up the playbook a little bit and trying some different, different things, different schemes on offense. And ECU talked about, they said, look, we looked at film. They talked a lot about watching film this week. You know, they talked about watching SMU and comparing themselves to SMU and how SMU exposed some things that UCF was doing on on defense. And they used that to their advantage. And they came out and they showed out that they they had a good game plan. Um now hopefully they they can do the same thing against BYU. Um right. and, but I mean this is I I'm, I'm excited. I haven't been this excited about ECU football in midseason. Or you know this is the first time ECU is 5 and 3 on the football season since 2014.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I, I actually saw that I was looking that up. I saw that earlier. It's it's been a long time since we've looked like this midseason. like you know, half halfway through a little, little more than halfway.
0: And you're so close to being seven and one, honestly, pretty close to being eight and zero.
1: And you know, the last thing I'll say on the offense that I, that I that I think has really helped us out, especially in this past game, is is time of possession. Because that's yep. that that's a trend that I've seen that has significantly helped our offense. And I know the turnovers helped a lot with that before turnovers are gonna help your offense. As far as time of possession, but when we have those long methodical drives that are ending in touchdowns, we can just kind of push around, you know, push it around a little bit, tire that defense out, run the ball the way we need to, open up play action, open, open opens up the pass, those long. I mean, we had 35 minutes with the ball. I mean, that that's yeah. why well, we had 24 first downs. So when you have that long methodical drives, that time of possession, that is something that results in ECU wins. So that's that's a trend that I'd like to see keep going.
0: Not, not to mention the uh, execution on third down. I mean, they were nine for fourteen on third down. Right. I mean, I'll take that any day of the week. If you're able to keep your head about you on third down and make a play, get to the sticks and move the chains, then you're going to give defenses a long night. True. And ECU did that. I mean, there was times ECU was third and nine and I was like all right well of course we're gonna have to we're not gonna get it we're probably gonna try to run it up the middle and no you see, you got it and then another thing I mean whole nailers and he talked about it two weeks ago with going through his progressions and going through his reads it seems like he's making better decisions with the ball right now and we talked about it a couple weeks ago how Last year he went through a stretch of like four or five games where he he didn't throw an interception. He made good decisions and EC went on a on a nice little winning streak right. to get bowl eligible. It kind of seems like he's kind of entering that same phase that same mentality where he's got a dog inside of him and he's going to he's going to come away with positive yardage.
1: And and I think he also knows it's almost over, right? I mean this is this is the last this is the last the last ride. I mean fifth year He's got all the records. Yeah, but I mean he wants something he wants to end it on something bigger than that. And these are the last four weeks of the regular season. This is it. I mean, he's got to play his best, best football because this is pretty much his career. <laughs> so, I mean, I, I think he also realizes the moment. I think he's up for the challenge and he understands. I mean, this is this is it. There is no he's not coming back to campus next year. He's not gonna be ECU starting quarterback next year. This is it. So
0: yeah, for sure. And um once again all around best game performance from a coaching and team perspective under Mike Houston. This was the first signature win. Uh, I use quotation marks around that. Um, And the Pirates didn't give up. They didn't light up on the gas. They just foot on your throat. This is our ball game. This is our home stadium. We're going to, we're going to do what we want to with you. Um, Yeah. And then really already the only bad this week was the attendance. I don't want to talk too much about it. The attendance, Look, show out, y'all. I know it's 7.30, but show out. You can't say you want to be a big-time program and then not show out. You don't show up. Honestly, the the fans that didn't show up, y'all can walk the damn plank. That's my walk the plank this week. I don't have a better one. That's my walk the plank.
1: We didn't – I just don't understand. It's not like we graduated college 20 years ago. I mean, we we were just at ECU less than a a decade ago. We didn't deal with this as students. Like, Like, like – we showed up and showed out. That stadium was full on a week in and week out basis. And Even this when we program, sucked. exactly. it we're sitting at five and three. We just had our best game of the season, the night game blackout. Like, how do you
0: not show up for this on, on ESPN? on national television?
1: How do you not show up? I, I, I don't. It, I, I, I Maybe it's just the kids don't care. Like, it's a new generation of kids. They just don't give a damn about football. They don't care. They'd rather be doing other stuff, and that's cool. Whatever. I get it. But there's got to be at least 50,000 people in Greenville on Saturday that, that want to come to the stadium and support this program. I, I don't get it.
0: Yeah, neither do I. But, uh, I mean, yeah, I, I would already – I don't care if this game's at 2 o'clock in the morning. Be there, support this program. Look, I know times were bad, but the sun is rising. The sun is rising up on Greenville, North Carolina, shining light on what great things are happening inside Dowdy Thickland Stadium. Show out. Be proud. I get it. Look, I get it. I get a 7.30 game. It is hard, very hard, to drive to the game, spend all day tailgating, and then drive home. I yeah. get it. I yeah. get it. Look, Artie, I can speak from experience. I got home from the Memphis game at damn near four o'clock in the morning. I live three hours away from Greenville. I'm not saying that to say like, Oh, I'm better than the people that aren't there, but go to the game, figure it out. ECU is a family. It's a, everybody knows some, everybody knows everybody. Everybody knows somebody around the, around the team, around the fan base, hit somebody up. If you need a place to stay, hit somebody up. You and, probably know somebody.
1: In in all honesty, and if we're just being blatantly and brutally honest, ain't much else to do in Greenville, North Carolina in the fall than go to a college football game. Yeah, I, I get the tailgate and the party. You in Greenville, North Carolina, don't sit there and tell me you got like a lot of plans. Like you got so much to do. You're going to go so hang out in Greenville, North Carolina. <laughs> then go to the football game. I don't want to hear that.
0: Yeah, no. Um. So, yeah. Are you who's your bad to the bone player of the week? Don't take mine.
1: <laughs> bad to the bone player of the week. Oh man. Um, I I I like yours though. I'm not I'm not gonna take yours. I'm gonna go uh I'm gonna go CJ. I'm gonna do CJ Johnson. 100 one. yards, a touchdown. Um, this is a guy that we said had to be most improved player of the year coming to the season. He has been most improved player of the year coming to the season. CJ Johnson has been doing this thing. If it, if it wasn't for Isaiah Wednesday popping off over 800 yards receiving and how many touchdowns he has, CJ might already have a thousand yards. So uh, no, definitely CJ Johnson would probably be my bat to the bone player of the week.
0: Yeah, mine's Jairo Wilson. I mean, do I need to say anything else? Um, friend of the podcast, we're gonna get him on sometime soon. Jarro I mean, he had two pivotal plays in the game that led to led to ECU. Honestly, just running, running all over UCF. It, it did it like that game didn't even seem close. Um, and he, he was named the American athletic conference defensive player of the week. Um, and another guy that was named that same thing. Uh, the defensive player of the week last week, Julius Wood was the one that caused the fumble yes, that, he, that he recovered. So, I mean, these guys are dogs. These guys so- are dogs. Out there. Um, it was good to see Rick Debru out there. Um, he played well. So all in all, good win for the pirates. Um, but now it's time, Artie, to turn our to turn our sights on the Cougars.
1: Yes, sir. All we're right. So Pro Bowl.
0: We uh we, we sat down with Jeff Hansen from 24 7 Sports covering BYU. Um, we're gonna send it over to that. But first, Artie. Support for the Boneyard Podcast is brought to you by Manscaped. Manscaped is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Their products are precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Manscaped's performance package, the ultimate men's hygiene bundle. Join over 6 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer just for Boneyard Podcast listeners. All right. All you gotta do is go to manscape.com, use the promo code Boneyard20, and you're gonna get or you're gonna get 20% off your entire order plus free shipping. And look, if we're gonna if we're gonna drag our nuts across the other three teams that are going to the Big 12 over the next three weeks, <laughs> at least do them a favor and clean them up a little bit, boys. All right. Go to manscaped.com, use promo code Boneyard20 for 20% off plus free shipping on your entire order. Do it. Your balls will thank you, and so will your girl. Here's our interview with Jeff Hansen from 24-7 Sports covering the BYU Cougars. Next up on the Boneyard podcast, we are pleased to be joined by Jeff Hanson. Jeff, he, you write for twenty four seven Sports, covering the BYU Cougars. Jeff, welcome into the Boneyard Podcast. How are you doing, my friend? Appreciate you guys. I'm doing well. It's an honor to be here.
2: Uh, I'm excited about this. This is going to be a lot of fun.
0: Yeah, I, it was all I, ours. Uh, I know we are very excited. Uh, but Jeff, it, it's been kind of a it, it's been kind of a up and down year. It seems like it it was up and now it's down. It seems like for BYU, uh, what's going on over there in Provo?
2: Man, I mean, you hit it on the head. It was up, and I I guess this year BYU is just going to the extremes, right? When it was up, it was top 10, Baylor, it was big wins. Uh, But when it's down, it's losing by 30 to Liberty, and uh, it it hurts. It stings, and so right now – Uh, One thing about BYU fans, I mean, they go all in on whatever they're doing, right? Like they get a good quarterback. Obviously, he's going to win the Heisman. You lose a couple of games. Obviously, it's like the end of the world and everybody needs to be fired. So uh, pretty, pretty dismal time right now in Provo.
1: You know, and, and Jeff, you, know, you you talk about the up and down. There's a lot of expectations on this BYU program, top 25 team coming into the season. I mean, what do you think has led to this four and four mark so far? And do you think BYU can turn it around in the last four weeks?
2: You know, it's going to be really interesting. It's uh, so BYU's been a football independent, right, for like 10 years. And, and something that people who were not BYU fans from the outside looking in, they were always like, well, what do you have to play for, right? Like once you lose a game, and the national championship, which is never really in, in in the picture for BYU. But once that's officially out of the picture, what are you playing for? Because whether you win 11 games or six games, you're going to the same bowl. Everything kind of plays out the same. And BYU fans over the last decade, we've kind of just ignored all that and been like, no, like, it's fine. Like, you play for pride. You play for, for – because you're a football player. You love to play, right? Well, I think this year, BYU is starting to kind of see that, you know what, maybe – there really isn't a whole lot to play for now that BYU's moving to the Big Twelve. The conference chase is like we're we're almost there again as a fan base. We we're almost remembering what that feels like, and it sort of feels like that's what the team is dealing with too. Like once they once they lost a couple of games, it was kind of like yeah, well, what's the point? I guess the rest of the way, and that's tough to hear. Like nobody likes to to think that way, but I think from a human standpoint, it's kind of hard to avoid, right? And so it's going to be really interesting to see if this team can turn it around in the last month of the season. Uh, but based on what we saw last week against Liberty, that feels like a tall task right now.
0: Yeah. You, and you talk about going to the big 12 and I mean, ECU last week started a stretch of playing four straight t- opponents that are headed to the big 12. It, I mean, they're they're playing the new big 12 all, all in about a span of a month and a week. Um, what, what do you, what do you see from from the other three programs that are coming from the American joining uh, joining BYU in the Big 12? Yeah, it's
2: really interesting. Um, from a, a team like, I don't know, from a team like Cincinnati, I think it makes a lot of sense, right? I mean, a team that was uh, a BCS conference school and then they weren't. And so that that one always sort of felt like a natural fit. With UCF and Houston, uh, I don't know, man. I mean, I really don't know what to make of those schools long term. Uh, they've had years where certainly they play like a big five, or like a power five team, but I it's tough to say whether or not they're a power five program. BYU's always kind of been a little bit different because of their affiliation with the church and the success they had, you know, early on in the you know in the '80s that they've sort of acted P5 forever. Uh, it's you know one of the bigger stadiums out west. It doesn't really matter what sport. Uh, They were typically BYU's in the top, you know, two or three in attendance in football, basketball, the Olympic sports. BYU has always kind of felt more P5 than not and just sort of needed that opportunity. I I just don't know if you could say the same about Houston and UCF. I think there's a ton of potential there and I think there's going to be a lot of fun football, uh, but it'll be interesting to see how those programs grow. I think from Cincinnati and BYU standpoint, it sort of feels like, OK, finally, like these schools who probably have earned it, they're there now and they they get their seat at the table uh, and the other two will, you know, wait and see.
1: Gotcha. You know, and, and Jeff, you know, continuing on this this Big 12 uh, uh, trend, do you believe Coach Sataki? I hope I'm not butchering his name. Um, and and his staff. Do you believe they're the ones to kind of take this program to the next level in the Big Twelve, or do you think it might be a different direction once you guys get there?
2: Yeah, I think Coach Coach Kalani, man, he's he's a stud, and I think absolutely he's the right head coach. Does he have the right pieces of the puzzle? The making out the rest of his staff. I think there's a lot of debate, um, especially on the defensive side of the ball. The way that the way that they have kind of operated over the course of the last six or seven years is they, you know, they they find developmental type guys and under the radar guys. And, and uh, it doesn't really have that P five feel to it, right? Like they're not going out and and competing with the bulk of the Pac 12 for, for, most of their roster. Yeah. It's worked to get to this point, but I don't know if that's something that works week in week out when you're playing, you know, eight, nine, 10 P fives a year. So I think Kalani's the right guy. He, he's, he, you know, he coached at Utah for for a decade. He's coached at Oregon state. He's he's seen Pac-12 life, not Big 12 life, but he's seen that Power 5 life, knows what it takes. His defensive staff hasn't, and so I think there's a, a fair reason to question if that side of the ball is going to stay with him as BYU transitions. On the offensive side of the ball, I think they're a lot closer uh, to, to being where they need to be in the Big 12. Gotcha.
0: Now... Jeff, I, I looked at when we when we talked about some of the teams that ECU was going to play this year, we, we talked a lot about BYU. I mean, it's it is a it's kind of an interesting matchup uh to, to schedule BYU. I mean, um, it's it's not really a state you're recruiting out of. Now, BYU, I mean, there's one common opponent that, that's USF. And the the games were very similar between BYU and USF and ECU and USF. Um what what can you say about this ECU program, and maybe what what they might have to do to get a win uh, on the road?
2: Yeah, the way that BYU has played over the course of the last three or four weeks uh, makes me feel like ECU is kind of a matchup nightmare right now. I mean, ECU can score right. Allman at quarterback, he he's as good as anybody right now. He's he's been there forever. He's done the college football thing forever. I mean, he, he's good. And and that's kind of a dangerous recipe because BYU's defense isn't really stopping anybody. The offense with Jaron Hall, they can score, um, but it, it, it's kind of interesting. I mean, I, you know, not to bore all of your ECU listeners with BYU details, last week against Liberty, uh, BYU jumped out to a 14-3 lead. And then Liberty came back, scored a touchdown, and then there was a punt, and Liberty scored another touchdown. And so we're like, I don't know, like five minutes left in the first half, Right. BYU has a fourth and nine at about midfield, and that felt like a must-score because mm-hmm. if they don't score, they give it back to Liberty. You know, they get the, and then they got the ball at the second half. And ultimately, they didn't convert that fourth and nine. Liberty kicks a field goal at the end of the first half, and then they get the ball in the second half, score a touchdown right away. Just like that. It's 27-14. And it didn't feel like BYU's defense was going to be able to stop Liberty at all. There's no way the offense was going to catch up looking at ECU and knowing how quickly they can score the tempo they like to play with the way that they could throw the ball around with Alman, that, that feels dangerous for BYU. I think as long as ECU is doing what they're capable of, what they did against USF, right. As long as they're capable of moving the ball and that's what they do on Friday night, it, it's going to be really hard for BYU uh, because their defense, it, there's not a lot of confidence that they're going to be able to step up and get that, you know, one or two stops when they need it.
0: Yeah. I mean, last week, whole nailers went 30 for 36 and i mean it seems like he's got multiple weapons that he that he can target not to mention i mean probably one of the best running backs in the group of five if not one of the best running backs in in all of the country yeah um who on who on the byu defensive side of the ball needs to uh be like the the key guy this week to to really kind of halt the ECU offense.
2: Yeah. It it starts with the linebacker group as a whole. One in particular is Keenan Peely. He, he was playing at a, an all American type level last year. And then he tore his ACL in the third or fourth game of the year. Uh, He got back and he's played all season, but he has not been the same guy that he was prior to his knee injury. Um, he's started to look a little bit more like himself in the last couple of weeks. Like finally, maybe he's got some confidence in that knee. Uh, BYU's defense will go as he goes, and 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 yeah, I mean, trying to to contain hold nailers and 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 get to that running game. You got to have strong play from the linebackers, and Keenan Peeley's kind of the nucleus that all of those BYU linebackers uh, circle around.
1: Gotcha, gotcha. Now, Jeff, kind of you know switching sides of the ball, talking about the offense a little bit. Um, you know, it, it kind of sounds like this might be one of those games that might be a shootout, might be you know BYU having to try to keep pace and keep up with the ECU offense. With that being said, Jaron Hall, he had his struggles last week. He struggled, struggled a, a little bit in the last few weeks. Do you see a quarterback change, or do you think Jaron Hall is, is is the guy for at least the rest of the season?
2: Yeah, Jaron Hall is going to go as long as he's healthy. Uh, he'll be that guy. He, he hurt himself. I'm trying to remember. It was three, four weeks ago that he got hurt. He's got a shoulder injury. I think it was against Utah State. And the injury, it's not going to get worse. It's not something that's preventing him from playing, but you can kind of tell at a few different times in the throughout the course of a game that it's pl- making an impact, right? Mm-hmm. He'll overthrow some balls that normally he's not going to overthrow. And you, you, you've got to assume that that's because, yeah, he's hurt, he's compensating for it, right? And as long as that shoulder is going to allow him to be on the field, he'll be on the field. But it's kind of been touch and go. Against Arkansas a couple of weeks ago, he took a big hit at the, just right before halftime and everybody in Provo was kind of bracing themselves for a quarterback change. And ultimately he came out, but he was visibly limited at that point. Mm-hmm. Uh, he played last week, but he, you know, so it kind of, it, it kind of is a game by game thing. Uh, he's practicing this week more than he's practiced in the last couple. So it sounds like things are are trending in the right direction for Jaron Hall. Uh, but you know, that shoulder, it's, it's one hit away from totally
0: changing the game.
1: Gotcha.
0: Yeah, and uh, Brooks, the running back, it, it seems like he's also uh, dealing with something. Sounds like he may may not play.
2: What, yeah, what have
0: you heard about that? Uh, that's exactly
2: what we've heard. So <laughs> there's one thing about this BYU program, man. Like they lock injury secrets down like it's the Pentagon. Like there's just <laughs> nothing that you can even like draw from what the coaches are saying. Uh, so the only thing you can really base it on is, is usage and what you kind of see with your own eyes. And Chris Brooks, he got like three carries last week. And he he was noticeably limping on the sidelines. The rumor is that he's got some sort of a hamstring issue, but you know, until kickoff, Kalani Sataki's not gonna say anything about it. Uh that's just the way that he kind of does it. So nobody will know for sure. Uh, but it it sure looks like there's an injury there and, and he may be limited at best.
1: Gotcha. Now, Jeff, I got I, I got kind of a fun question for you because, you know, looking around at, at the BYU fan base, you know, I think the consensus around the country is that they're a little bit different. They do things a little differently. Um, what is it about the BYU fan base that makes them different? And what are some things in Provo uh, that, that is little known that, that is fun to do out there that, that people just don't know about?
2: Yeah, well, I mean, you nailed it on the head. And, and we embrace that. We're weird. Like of all the college <laughs> football fans <laughs> in the country, BYU fans are up there with the weirdest. There's There's no question about it um I think it was Keaton Slovis a couple of years ago USC came and played at BYU and and he talked about how like wild and loud and crazy the the environment was and then he had like this moment in the middle of the game that he looked around and there were 65,000 people going nuts and he was like man all these guys are sober and that was like the weirdest (laughs) thing for him and and it's true I mean BYU fans go crazy but they're they're different I think we try to be pretty nice, try to be pretty down to earth about everything. The, the ECU student, or, excuse me, visitor section, uh, BYU will, will hand out ice cream to the fans who made the trip there. I mean, so we, we try to make it fun for, for the opponents, knowing that it is a little bit of a different environment. The game's going to start with a prayer. Uh, there's there's not alcohol, right? I mean, so it's, it's unique, right?
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, in, in terms of Provo, Provo is one of those places, especially coming from, from, from North Carolina where you guys are at, you got to get out into the mountains. It, it's just such a unique place. And the mountains are like five minutes away. Like you can get up into the, the peak of the Rockies in a five minute drive from Lavelle Edwards stadium. And wow. it's uh it's pretty cool, pretty unique. There's lots of hikes and stuff like that. We just got some snow here in the last week. Uh, so it, it's one of those things to do that. I think people will have a ton of fun with it's different. I mean, normally you like, look at me, I'm not the kind of guy that's going to get out and go hike. Doesn't feel like a fun time, uh, but when you when you get a chance to get into the Rocky Mountains,
0: I think you got to take
1: it for sure. Absolutely, absolutely.
0: Yeah. Now, uh, I want to go back to the ice cream. I mean, <laughs> this week, I believe at kickoff, it's supposed to be like forty nine degrees. Is that still <laughs> well, there?'s there's no too cold for ice cream in Utah, man. I mean I I guess you I mean, it's never too cold for ice cream.
2: We're just getting into the cold season. I mean, if we had this right. 49 degree weather in March, we'd all be walking around in shorts, you know. So it's it's all about like how you how you tune your head a little bit. And cold is a choice is kind of what we tell ourselves. Already. Now
0: now, as far as food goes in the stadium, what uh-huh. what is, is is there something called a cougar claw or yeah, there's a cougar, tail is, what cougar it tail. is what is that? It's
2: basically a giant maple bar. It is all it's, I think it's what's a maple, yeah, no oh, a
1: maple bar? Yeah, I had no idea. I
2: thought that was like a thing. So, in Utah, <laughs> if you just any donut shop you go to, it's just like a donut that's like a maple donut. Sometimes they'll oh. put like bacon and stuff Ooh. on top of it. Ooh. It's good. A cougar tail is 16 inches of that. Now, you, you got to yes. get there, they're limited. But the the dopest part about a cougar tail is they'll do a cougar brat, and so they'll put brats inside of this giant maple bar cougar tail thing. Wow. That changes the game. They don't make a ton of those; they sell out pretty quick. Yeah, but that, that's, that's legit. legit. Well, I'm,
1: I'm now looking. Right there,
0: I'm <laughs> now looking for flights to Provo or to Salt Lake City. <laughs> like, uh, gosh that that sounds that sounds fantastic. Yeah, yeah.
2: it's. It's pretty spectacular. BYU's done a pretty good job, too, uh, over the last couple of years, uh, just trying to make their game day experience a little bit more fun, right? So uh, the the stadium itself kind of old. I mean, fans walking in aren't going to be overly impressed. It, it, it's old. It's big, but it's old. Uh, but they've brought in, you know, modern food, more food, different vendors from outside. There's there's a couple of good barbecue places that come
0: through. Oh, here we go with barbecue conversation <laughs> again. It,
2: it's a, it's a good place. They have, uh, I think it's still there. They used to have the world's greatest corn dog. And obviously, if you're calling yourself the world's greatest anything, I mean, you got to figure it out. Right. But it was like this, like 18 inch long corn dog that was all drizzled in honey and stuff. It oh was, my god, it was
0: phenomenal. I'm so hungry.
1: I haven't eaten six hours, fellas. I'm getting, I'm getting. Totally I haven't eaten all day. I, I'm still <laughs> my wife's cooking upstairs.
0: Wow. Now about the game day experience. I, I mean, at ECU, look, ECU is known for being, uh, as much as we've tried to shed this moniker, the number one party school in America. Of um, yes. uh, something that, I mean, BYU is. I mean, obviously, we're, we're polar opposites. Yeah, yeah like it, sure. it, it's it's like you you have like the angel versus the devil over here. Um, <laughs> now, ECU is known for their tailgating. What what kind of goes on before the game in at, in Bro, in Provo?
2: Yeah, uh, <laughs> it's funny. I mean, so if you're the number one party school, BYU actually takes a lot of pride. I, I think it's weird, but BYU takes pride that they are the number one stone cold sober school for like the last like 25 years running not as, not as fun, but you know, whatever, you got to be proud of something. And uh, before the game, the tailgating scene as a result, right? Like it's not, it's not what it should be. It's not what a college football fan is used to seeing when they go into a big time uh, stadium. Uh, There is some tailgating. It's kind of like away from the stadium a little bit and it's a little bit frustrating. Kind of doesn't feel like tailgating. Uh, But if ECU fans are looking, they'll find it. I mean, it's there. Uh, But but BYU, what they'll do is they kind of do, I don't know what to call it. It's like a, it's kind of like a miniature carnival, right? Like a a parking lot carnival before the game, or they'll have live music. They'll have rides for kids. They'll have, you know, they'll they'll do all kinds of things like that. And then uh, about two hours before the state, before the game starts, they'll do the cougar walk that the team comes down with the marching band and they walk out in front of the stadium, they close down all the streets. And so they do some things that are kind of fun that are, that are, Cool to check out, uh, but if you're gonna, you know, start on Friday morning and want to tailgate all day, you're gonna see a lot of people just go into their eight to five job and waiting for the waiting for the clock to to hit five o'clock so they can get to the game.
0: For sure, yeah. I mean, it, I I think it's always interesting. I mean, Artie and I we noticed it last year also. We went to the game at Navy. I mean, it, it, similar kind of experience, but yeah. I, I mean, there there was tailgating going on, but it, it wasn't as uh how i say how, how do i say raucous um yeah. as, it, it, was, as, it was
1: a lot more prim and proper than than what you see in Greenville North Carolina definitely
0: <laughs> right but yeah I, it's something that from everybody i've talked to that's been to a game at BYU they they've all said how how great of an atmosphere how how great the fans are to visiting fans um now would you say i kind of want i want to switch gears a little bit i want to talk about um The recruiting aspect of of BYU. I mean, a lot of times, especially at BYU, you've got you've got to follow the honor code. Right. Mm -hmm. And do you think that plays a factor in the recruiting of of some of these four and five star guys that BYU is going to be going after? Yeah. in, In the Big 12.
2: No, it's a huge factor. It's one of the bigger things. It's probably a bigger deal in basketball than it is in football. And I'll explain why in a second. But absolutely, it plays a role. And it's really one of the biggest, probably the biggest thing that prevents BYU from being able to walk in, you know, pull up the top 24-7 list and just start offering guys. Because most of those guys, they're not going to want to come and and live that honor code life and, and who could blame them. now having said that, it it also offers BYU a high floor for their recruiting classes because there are a number of of kids who are members of the church that are also really good football players. Mm -hmm. And over the course of independence, BYU's landed guys like Kyle Van Oy and Fred Warner and and Zach Wilson, you know, some studs who are, are now in the NFL doing their thing, that really they had no business getting these guys, but because they were familiar with the religion or they were members of the religion, it kind of offered a unique environment that really resonated with them. And and every recruiting class, there's a handful of guys that kind of fit that fit that mold as well. Uh, The other thing, and this is kind of why I mentioned that it's a bigger deal for basketball than football. uh, BYU, this goes all the way back to the Lavelle Edwards days, was one of the first schools to recruit in Hawaii. And as a result, the church also has a pretty big presence in Hawaii and throughout the you know all the other Polynesian islands. So as a result, there's always been this Polynesian pipeline to BYU. Now Polynesians, you know for every Marcus Mariota, there's a thousand like big dude defensive lineman, offensive lineman type. Uh, there's there's not very many skill positions that come out of Polynesia, but there's a ton of linemen, ton of linebackers. Um, and that's really what BYU's bread and butter has always been. They, they've always been able to get into that Polynesian pipeline and load up in the trenches, get some big tight ends, get some big linebackers. And as a result, the, the team has kind of a nucleus that, that you can get in basketball or in, in football that you can't get in other sports, right? I mean, there's not very many Polynesian point guards that are out there, not very many Polynesian baseball players, but there's a ton in football. And, and so, when you talk about recruiting, yeah, BYU is going to struggle to, you know, go into Texas and compete with whoever, right? Texas A&M and get a recruit from some kid from Houston who has nothing to do with the church. However, uh, BYU is going to be able to go into Hawaii and, and and offer a kid, whether they're a member of the church or not, and they'll have as good of a chance as anybody else because of the long standing ties
1: with, with the Polynesian culture.
0: That, that's great. Now, Artie, do you have any other questions?
1: Actually, no, I did not. That was that's all I had for.
0: Him. Okay, so Jeff, I, I've got a, I've got just a couple more. Um, I, I don't want to keep you too long, but I, I, I wanted to know, like, this ECU team. It seems like they've kind of turned a corner. A couple weeks ago, they were kind of feeling like, hey, probably what BYU's feeling right now. Sure. I, I feel like after getting that fifth win, there, maybe they're. I mean, I think they're still hungry, but. They're closer to a bowl game. Now, what do you think it will take for ECU to, to really come out and, I mean, I, I think BYU's, what, 13 of their last 13 at home or under the lights and then 16 sure. of 16 at home under the lights, something like that. Uh, what, what will it take for ECU to kind of come in 4,000 feet elevation in front of 60,000 Screaming Cougar fans? What, what's it going to take? Yeah, for BYU, I
2: think that the the toughest thing that they're going to have to do that they haven't been able to prove that they can do is take that punch, right? BYU talked about it. I can't remember who, but some of their players kind of talked about that, that as a team, they have a glass jaw right now. That They come out and they take that first hit and they've been unable to stand up and, and collect themselves and get back into the fight, right? If ECU could come out of the gates hot and and deliver that big blow, maybe it's an early turnover, maybe it's a a big score on their first drive. It kind of put BYU in a little bit of adversity right at the very beginning of the game. What BYU has struggled with lately is the ability to respond and, and fight back. So
0: we'll see how, how how the Cougars do this week. Awesome. Well, Jeff, uh, I'll, I'll give you I'll give you a second. I, I know you got got to get going, but uh. I'll give you a second to go ahead and plug everybody, plug where people can find you and find your content.
2: Uh, yeah. Uh, follow me on Twitter at Rakututan, part of the 24 uh, 7 sports network, cougarsportsinsider.com. Um, and uh, also have a podcast, com. We're going to have our ECU preview up here uh, in the next, uh, probably next 24 hours. We'll have that up.
0: Awesome. Well, Jeff, thank you for joining us on the Boneyard podcast. Been a real pleasure. Mm-hmm. Uh, best of luck to BYU after this weekend of course um and, and <laughs> best of luck in the big 12 hopefully we can get this game on the schedule another time uh down the down the road awesome appreciate you guys absolutely Thank you, once again that was Jeff Hansen new friend of the podcast seems like a really cool dude if you're not following him go follow him on Twitter um honestly the the way he talks and he, he seems like he would fit in well with the boneyard podcast he, he surely did when we were talking to him um arty outside of talking about this this football game this weekend the thing that i was most interested about was learning about those cougar tails
1: yo the yeah when he was talking about the cougar tails and then they 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 put the, the, the uh, bratwurst inside of it and it's like mm. 16 inches long or some shit like that. Oh my goodness man I, I'm starving right now like I said I haven't eaten in over six hours. I am starving and that did not help me, but that was uh, that was interesting to learn about.
0: I I feel some type of way about a, a <laughs> Cougar Pride. Um, like, how can BYU come up with something so satisfying and sexual that <laughs> I just want to put in my mouth? Um,
1: <laughs> can you can you handle those sixteen inches, dude?
0: <laughs> no comment. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Artie. We got some Twitter questions. We got some Twitter questions, my friend. Let's get into it. Uh, First up, John Smith, longtime friend of the podcast. He says, BYU is one of my favorite teams for ECU to play slash beat for personal reasons. John, I'd I'd like to know what those personal reasons were. Um, What weird random team do you all want to see ECU play? Mm. That's a
1: good question. I, I, you know, honestly, are we are we doing power five? Or are we doing group of five? Are
0: we doing it, one? Of, it's one whoever. Three? It can be anybody.
1: I'd, I'd love to see ECU play Boise State. That's that's always one I've, I've 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 always wanted to see, especially when Boise State was good and they were like the leader of the of the group of five. That's that's a game I'd, I'd always like to see ECU play Boise.
0: Yeah. Um, I said it, and I I think I wouldn't be surprised if it happens sometime soon. But I would love to see ECU play Tennessee.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, that 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 would be my power five. That would that would definitely be the the one. Like non conference power five school at Knoxville in that atmosphere. I'll be at that one. Trust me. I will be at that game.
0: Yeah, I mean, I like that one. Um outside of that. Um You know, Artie, I'd like to see. And it won't happen. I wouldn't mind seeing the the rivalry between Virginia Tech and ECU get heated back up again.
1: I, I would. That would be awesome. And I and I and honestly, I don't even know why I didn't mention this first. But to be honest with you, my my dream is already coming true next year because oh, yeah. Here we go. My, my alma mater is is playing my favorite football program in Michigan. So that's that's literally that like, that's that's the dream, and it's and it's going to happen. And I'm going to be at that game. So that's that's literally it. Doesn't get better than ECU at Michigan. So,
0: yeah. An- another, I mean, there's other games. I mean, I think a game like uh, it would be interesting from an ECU perspective to schedule like a home and home with Georgia Tech. Um, ECU recruits heavily in the Atlanta area. Mm-hmm. Um, I-, I think that would be interesting. Go down there and play play at Georgia Tech. I'd also like to see us start scheduling more Big Ten teams. Though. Um, yeah. Scheduling a, a Maryland, I, I think that would be a, a good game. A Marylander, scheduling somebody from the ACC like Louisville. Somebody different. Um, I can
1: see Rutgers. I could definitely see ECU playing Rutgers.
0: Rutgers, Maryland. Um, heck, schedule Syracuse. Right. I mean, I, I feel like those are games that would be fun and interesting. They're different. Um, I'd also like – I mean, I, I wish we would try to schedule Florida again. I think that would be an interesting matchup. Mm-hmm. And then I've always said like I'd like to see ECU play everybody. Um <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and then of course the ECF, I, I think that's I think that's a fun rivalry in them and Marshall. Um I actually talked to a guy that I talked to a guy yesterday for an hour at a Panera about Marshall ECU and oh, wow. his ties to Marshall. He he's from Huntington. Uh, we talked for an hour about Marshall football and ECU football. So that was a lot of fun. Um, all right. Next from PD. Do you have a favorite Halloween costume?
1: Favorite Halloween costume. You know, I I think my favorite one growing up, I went as Freddy Krueger one year, but I didn't, I didn't get like the cheap Freddy Krueger, like costume. Like, like my mom went all out for me. He got me like the hundred dollar, like Freddy Krueger costume. And it was like decked out with the realistic mask and the and the little little uh, claw and the, and the and the clothes the whole getup it was it was dope.
0: Yeah, I went as a werewolf for like four years straight just so I didn't have to buy another costume. I hated going shopping for costumes. I was <laughs> that kid that waited till the last minute and then there was nothing there. Um, so I went as a werewolf like every year for like from the time I was in like sixth grade to the time I was like in ninth grade <laughs> my last year like trick or treating I was like. <laughs> always a werewolf in this mask i sweated so much in this damn mask um but yeah i, I would say that um I, I had some good ones in college uh i, I went as a gynecologist one year that, that was fun um, what's, what's
1: best halloween candy that you ever got like what, like what's the best halloween you ever had
0: Ooh, that that's a good question Artie. what so what's your favorite like candy to get on halloween
1: for me, it's it's Reese's is definitely number one. Okay, and then it would be, um, I guess, Snickers after that because I, I I do like Snickers. So it'd be Reese's and Snickers for me. Um, and then I would say sixth grade, we went over to a um, really nice neighborhood out in Oak Ridge, and they were just giving out king size candy bars at every house. Like it was like fifty houses we went to, and they were just giving out king size candy bars at every single house. Like okay. I I I had candy for almost a
0: year. Apparently the neighborhood that we live in now is like the neighborhood to go in Winston-Salem to trick or treat. Yeah. Like outside of like, there's one other little community, but like there's more houses where we live. Um, And somebody posted, there's a community Facebook page. Somebody posted like, Hey, we just moved to the area. How much candy should we buy? And somebody commented. It may be because of where I live. We buy 30 pounds of candy every single year.
1: Oh, Oh my goodness.
0: So two weeks ago, I went to Sam's Club. I I got a Sam's Club membership just to buy candy for Halloween. (laughs) I bought probably 15 pounds of candy. Jeez. And, And we got the good stuff. We're not giving out like. Oh yeah, no. Jolly, Jolly. Ranchers or Yeah. Or we're we're get, like we're going to we got Reese's, we got Snickers, we got Twix, we got Kit Kats, we got it all.
1: Yeah. Make 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 the kids happy. You get know, I mean that's We what got about. We make, got Skittles,
0: yeah. we got Starburst, we got it all. Like they're going to they're going to come to the Sheffield household and be greeted by a puppy that looks like uh that looks like a bumblebee and me <laughs> and my wife sitting out on our porch. Eating chicken stew, getting the best candy available. I w- yes. I really wanted. I really wanted to do the full size candy bars, but my wife Savannah said that we don't have the budget for that, Jared. Um, but <laughs> I, I wanted Not to. I, I wanted to. That that is. That's how I know, will know that I have made it in life when I can give out full size candy bars on full-size Halloween. Bars. Yep. Um. Yep. But now my, my favorite. I mean. Reese's is, is up there. I, I'm not really a big Snickers fan. Um, like I would usually give those to my mom. Um, Kit Kats. I love me a good Kit okay. Kat. My, but my favorite, still... my two favorite candy bars, mm. Three Musketeer and Twix. And then Artie, the most underrated candy that you can get. What 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 would you say is the most underrated candy?
1: Um, I got one. The Most underrated candy. I mean, I got a lot of like gummy stuff, like gummy worms and like gummy bears and stuff like that. But I, I would say Skittles. I think I think Skittles are a very underrated. But I love Skittles. So yeah,
0: those those are good. But this is something that like I just remember my grandparents having in their house that like like old people candy. That I just love to get in my in, in my trick or treat bag. Hit us! Hit us, Hit us with
1: it. Sorry. Rolos, Rolos. Oh, I nah. love me a Rolo, good Rolos. Those are good. I haven't had that in years. Dude, those, those are, are good. fire.
0: Oh my gosh! Yep.
1: Wow. All
0: right. Uh, last question, Artie. From where we are at this point, this is from Cameron. From where we are at this point, what would you consider? a successful finish to the season for this team. Well, Cameron, um, I'd be lying if I said that I was worried about us making a bowl game before last week. Um, Mm -hmm. I was worried because I was like, there's a very good chance we lose all four of these next four games. But now now that we're where we are, and ECU's already at five wins. They just got to get the the sixth win to get bowl eligible. And they've got Temple left on the schedule. I think we're going to make a bowl. It's how much more can you get outside of that? Right. Um, look, Artie, as crazy as it sounds, we need things to go our way. But there's still a path to the American Athletic Conference Championship game for this EC, ECU football team. The path, though, is you have to win the rest of your conference games. You got three left. Cincinnati, Houston, and Temple. And look, as we're going to talk about here in a little bit, Cincinnati and UCF at UCF is a pick Yep. Yeah. I'd said earlier, ECU looked a lot at SMU f- film against UCF to game plan. SMU. Just gave Cincinnati a big scare, a big scare. I'm not saying ECU's going to win that game, but I think right now the the floor is six and six. I mean, you could very well lose the next three games, beat Temple, and just get to a bowl game. You right. could very well do that. I don't think the way that this ECU team is playing right now that they're just going to roll over and let that happen. They, I mean, I, I. Party, hot take alert. ECU wins three of the next four games. And I don't know. I don't know if it's that hot of a take.
1: I I, I would I would say that's that's not that hot of a take. I, I'm going to stick with my with my original uh, win losses. I said eight and four coming to the season. I'm yes. going to stick with eight and four. Uh, there's no there's no reason for me to jump off the bandwagon. Now we're sitting at five and three. We can absolutely win three of our last four. I do think we I do think there's a loss in these next four games, but I think Temple's a sure win. Now, you lose to Temple, that's because you're sitting at five and six and the season's over. But to me, Temple's a sure win, right? So I I definitely think we're going to get bowl eligible. That's going to happen. It's just, like you said, we still have a a path to get to the conference championship. The problem is Tulane's playing so damn good right now. I I, I feel like they're a lock. I mean, I I know there's a lot of football left, but Tulane, I I think Tulane's a lock to get to the conference championship game.
0: UCF if UCF beats Cincinnati this week and then ECU somehow beats Cincinnati the next in, in two weeks? Right. Three then, weeks,
1: then, then the path is there. It and is. And then
0: you just got to beat Houston and beat Temple, and you're there.
1: But the thing is, Houston's beatable. Brigham Young is beatable. Cincinnati's not the juggernaut that they were last year. They are beatable. And I, I think we're absolutely going to crush Temple. So I think all four games left on the schedule are winnable game. I don't think there's an unwinnable game left on our schedule. I do see a loss, but I'm still waiting for, it. I, 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 I mean, are sitting at five and three right now. I picked eight and four at the beginning. I'm going to stick with my eight and four.
0: Yeah. I, I think ECU gets three more wins on, on the season and gets into a more respectable bowl. Um, uh, it wouldn't surprise me at all. If ECU gets picked for, for the, um, military bowl again, <laughs> I, I, I think, I think they were really excited about having ECU again. Um,
1: well, I was, I was seeing, uh, I, I know, Pinstripe, and then I was seeing the Myrtle Beach Bowl. So I've seen Myrtle Beach like two or three times. I've seen uh, Myrtle
0: Beach. I've seen the Fenway Bowl. I've seen um, the Gasparilla Bowl. I mean, there's a – I mean, the Mobile Alabama Bowl, whatever. Like, <laughs> they're, they're, ECU's been projected in all of them. Look, do not – do not let this team make it to the conference championship game and put, have a shot – to beat Tulane again. Do not give this team a shot to play Tulane again.
1: Man, I'd love to see it, though. I'd love Do to not.
0: see it.
1: It, it. I would it, love to see Tulane again.
0: Give that to me all day long. I mean, you – oh, give me that all day long. Yeah. Um, all right. all right. that That's all the, the Twitter questions. I already said my walk the plank. It's the fans that didn't show up this past week. Do you have a walk the plank?
1: Yeah, I, I I will concur on that. I don't have anything that's going to be better than that. You, you get your asses to the stadium, show up for this program. Like, you, you call yourself a pirate, <laughs> get to the stadium and support this team.
0: So, yeah, for sure. All right, well, betting lines. Yes, sir. Number two, Ohio State at number thirteen, Penn State. You over under is six sixty one. Ohio State's a fifteen and a half point favorite. Thoughts.
1: Um, fuck both these teams. I wish they could both lose. But uh, <laughs> but we've already beat Penn State, so, it, it you know, I, I would like to see Penn State go in and beat Ohio State. That's going to make Michigan's resume look better, and then we go into Columbus and beat Ohio State later on down you, the you line. Don't,
0: you don't want Ohio State to beat them? so No,
1: if Michigan wins out, we're getting it. It doesn't matter if Ohio State loses Penn State. It all doesn't. Right.
0: Uh, so, all right. I just and like they, to see Ohio
1: State lose. But, no, but if you're asking me the winner, I'm taking Ohio State. What's the over under?
0: 61.
1: Give me the over, Ohio State by by 14.
0: Okay, so Penn State covers, Ohio State wins outright, and you're taking the over. Yes. Okay, I I think Ohio State covers. um, I I think they beat them by 17. And, uh, yeah, I'm going to take the over. Um, All right, number 19, Kentucky. At number 3 Tennessee Tennessee's a 12 and a half point favorite the over under 63 and a mm. half go vols
1: yeah i am look- riding with the vols we've been we've been on the vols train all year. i'm gonna stick on the vols train if this was at kentucky it might be a closer game i don't think anybody in the country outside of georgia's defense can slow down tennessee's offense I, they're 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 putting up forty to fifty points on everybody, so no. Kentucky's Hinden's not Hooker, us.
0: man. Hendon Hooker out of he's out of Greensboro, right?
1: Yeah, he went to Dudley High School, two state championships.
0: So, yes, sir. Uh, yeah, give me give me Tennessee. I think they went by two touchdowns, and I'm taking the over. Um, now here's an interesting game, a matchup of two, three, and four teams already. Mm-hmm. SMU at Tulsa. SMU looked hot to begin the season. Then they lost to TCU and it's kind of been downhill since then. SMU is a two and a half point favorite on the road over under 64. What do you think?
1: Yeah. um, Oh man, 64. You know what? I'm going to take the under on this. Maybe I should take the over, but I'm going to take the under on this. To me, this is, this is a tell of two teams. I think Tulsa should be three and four. Like they, Tulsa is a three and four football team. I think SMU is better than what their record indicates. I, I think, think SMU, SMU and ECU
0: are very cl- similar.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, I think SMU comes out and, and, and wins this game. I think they win by by ten or more. So,
0: okay. Yeah, I'm taking SMU. Um, I think they win by a touchdown. All right. Um, and then already, if you didn't hear, College Game Day was going to be in Orlando. Um, this weekend, but the Pirates had different plans. that. Yep. Um. Lee Corso you can also walk the damn plank um <laughs> old ass man number 20 Cincinnati at UCF this game's a pickle so take take that as as you might um the over under is 56. these are two good offenses but also some very good defenses I'm gonna take the under um and I think Cincinnati beats them
1: yeah, I, I I I agree. I mean, I, I think Cincinnati is a better team than Central Florida. I think they probably should win this game, but we need Cincinnati to have a, to take a loss. We need we need Cincinnati to get a conference loss.
0: Yeah, we do. So we do need that. We we, do need, we
1: need that to happen. So I'm taking I'm taking Central Florida. Come on, Knights. Go ahead and give them that. Go ahead and give them that conference loss. So ECU can still be in the equation.
0: Yeah, I mean, get mad. You you just lost to East Carolina University. You just lost to uh, to to ECU. A team that you were supposed to dog walk and walk all over and it shouldn't have even been a game.
1: A team a team that has an eleven and ten record on you all the time though. So let's not forget yeah.
0: that. Fuck UCF. <laughs> Artie, you convinced me. UCF all the way. Yes, um, sir. I'm taking I'm still taking the under. All right. And then Artie, Friday night. Eight o'clock Eastern time, six thirty. I guess mountain time. Is that what Provo is Mountain Time.
1: Yeah, it's Mountain Time.
0: Mm -hmm. Uh, or six o'clock Mountain Time. I don't. I don't. I don't even know. Um, don't. I'm not good with with (laughs) um, time zones. With my time zones. ECU at BYU Friday night under the lights, Lavelle Moton Stadium. Uh, BYU is a three point favorite. They they've lost three of their last four games, including last week on the road at Liberty. Um, the over under 62, I'm taking the over on this game. And because I, I think these are two good offenses, but if the over hits already the over hits your East Carolina Pirates are coming home with a victory.
1: I, I like to pick. I'm, I'm also going to take the over. Um, you know, this is the most confident that I've been in this game or for this game all season. Uh, this is definitely one that I thought was going to be our hardest. And now it's looking like it's still going to be a hard game. Is it going to be a very, I mean, that, that stadium is going to be packed 65, 7,000 plus um, BYU is no slouch. They're going to, they're going to give us a game. Um, but I am confident in this. I, I think that their defense is going to struggle against our offense. I think our offense can, can keep it going this week can carry some momentum going into that game. Um, and I, and I agree with you. If we hit the over, East Carolina's coming home with a, with a with a victory.
0: Yeah, I, I just don't trust BYU's offense to be able to compete uh, in ECU's defense. We talk so much about all these defenses ECU's played this year, right? And then ECU's defense is still one of the top defenses that it's, it's really good. And and, and
1: right. I think our, I I think it's going to come down to our defense having a better night than their defense, and that's really what's going to be the, the key factor game.
0: And Artie, the sharks are out. Yes, sir. They smell blood. The sharks are out. Give it to me, Pirates. You got a score prediction?
1: Ooh, let me. Uh, mm. I think we. I, I think we might crack forty this week. I'm. I'm going to say 41. 28, East Carolina. 41 28. Yeah,
0: 41 28, East Carolina. mm Hmm. That's a good one. I feel uh, That that's a lot, though. But I guess if you got to hit the, it
1: is a lot. But then again, their defense is giving up a lot of points. Our offense, I mean, they they put up O oh, plus plus thirty on a, on a UCF defense that's pretty good. If we can carry the momentum, I see us cracking forty.
0: Okay. Um.
1: But that is a lot of points. You're right.
0: Give me. Give me ECU thirty-eight BYU twenty-eight. Okay. Okay. Does that overhit? I don't know. What's thirty-eight plus twenty-eight? And and I really 66, could see this being 66. like a six. Yeah, that, that overhits.
1: Yeah, I I could see this being like a 34, 28. Game that's really close, and then we get one in garbage time or something like that. Like I, yeah. I, that's, that's how I can see that goal.
0: Yeah. Little meat, boys. Little meat. Yes, sir. Uh, Artie depends on how I feel after this weekend's game. If if we win, I'll probably go live on Twitter Spaces. I don't know if you're available on Friday night. Yeah. I, I, like, don't, I don't. It's like going to be eleven o'clock. Eleven yeah, o'clock. I do midnight. Night, I should be able to join you. Maybe we'll go live on Twitter Spaces after the game. Um, so check that out. Artie, anything else you want to talk about other than
1: your uh, brother? Gone almost an hour and a half. Good show. Shout out to to Jeff for joining us from BYU. What's up? What you got?
0: I got one last thing to say, and I, I'd be remiss if I said this, if I didn't say this. Um, I, I, I want to send my condolences out to um, a dear friend of mine, Artie. He got murdered this week. It, it sucks. It sucks, and he's looking at me right now. He got beat, got the shit kicked out of him by your boy Jared Shaffit in fantasy football. Artie, walk the damn plank. I'm Thank out. You, Let's go. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you know what? What I want the people <laughs> to know though is that my quarterback, my receiver, and my running back.
0: Were my all running back. My. That, that's not my fault. You not know my what? Okay. It's not my problem.
1: It's alright. I'm still going to make the playoffs and take y'all's money. It's okay.
0: I, I put the most points up I've put up all year, and I, my RB1 didn't even play.
1: I think I'll put up like 72 points. It was terrible.
0: Thanks, Joe Burrow.
1: <laughs> wash your hands, wash your butts, people. I'm out. Deuce.
0: Peace.